Brian Barnett is just a regular guy. He's not a doctor. He has no legal license in any field of mental or emotional health. Brian Barnett merely shares the insights he's gained from his personal experiences for anybody who may choose to use such information as he or she personally chooses, while accepting full responsibility for his or her own individual thoughts, feelings, behaviors, and actions. Brian Barnett assumes no responsibility whatsoever for anybody's individual choice to expose himself or herself to any information that Brian Barnett shares. And by listening to this program, you're acknowledging that you, and only you, are responsible for your own thoughts, feelings, and actions. Let me get the introduction to the Last Symptom Podcast started here. That'll give people time to come in. Happy Thursday, everybody. Welcome back to the Last Symptom Podcast. I'm Brian Barnett. Thank you for listening to the show this week. I'm trying something different. I'm so exhausted tonight, uh, but I wanted to get a show out this week. So what I'm doing is I'm streaming this on social media, and I'm going to see what sorts of interactions I get. So hopefully it'll turn into a sort of a question and answer type show, sort of like uh, happened when I live streamed my night out in the woods a few weeks ago. I guess it was a couple months back now. Uh, let's get the announcements out of the way. TheLastSymptom.com. i got to tell you about that. That's my website full of free resources. There are also some paid resources there. For example, one-on-one phone and Zoom conversations with me. But uh, the most exciting thing here lately is The Last Symptom Fundamentals Course. That, that's a almost a two-week course. It's an intensive course meant to lay down a foundation of healthy insights for you uh, to help you in your recovery from emotional disorder. So if you're interested in that or if you're interested in it for somebody that you care about, make sure to run over to thelastsymptom.com. It's in the paid services tab. One of the new free services that I've started here in the last couple of weeks is something called Daily Orange Slices or just Orange Slices. And what they are are condensed video insights conversations suggestions and these only appear on a brand new platform that i'm using these days called locals l-o-c-a-l-s so if you're interested in taking advantage of these daily orange slices where i just offer up a little bit of wisdom or suggestions or uh, some insights they're typically about five minutes in length a couple of them have run 15 minutes or so but you know it's not like you're sitting there watching uh, Schindler's List or anything you know it comes and it happens real quick if you'd like to take advantage of those please consider downloading the Locals app from the App Store and somebody told me the other day that you you actually have to look up Locals.com in the App Store but they have an app and then you look up the last symptom community on Locals another way that you can get there is by going to thelastsymptom.locals.com Dot com. Everybody can view the videos. There's no obligation beyond that if you just want to take advantage of the content that's there. So let me check back in here on the social media and see if we've got anybody else in here with us. I don't understand why they wouldn't. So on my screen, I see nothing. I just see comments. But I don't see who's in the room. It really kind of sucks. Australia. You guys are the only ones awake, I think. 
Only the folks in Australia are the ones awake right now. Well, the topic that I wanted to talk about today was uh, logical fallacies. Logical fallacies. I have my first wife, I'll never forget this, one year during 4th of July, which of course is Independence Day here in the United States, she said, uh, well, it's going to rain tonight. And I said, well, there's no rain in the forecast, but what makes you think it's going to rain? She says, because the fireworks that they shoot off makes it rain. And I said, what? She said, yeah, the fireworks that they use, the smoke or something after the fireworks get shot off, that makes it cloud up and rain. And I said, are you out of your mind? You're watching too many cartoons. But she really believed that. She believed that, that mankind had mastered the art of controlling the weather or making it rain. And all you got to do is just shoot up some firecrackers and that'll make it rain. Of course, that, that's not true. Firecrackers do not make it rain. But where'd she get that idea from? Well, she got the idea from the fact that the majority of the time that she could remember, whenever there was fireworks, afterwards at some point there was rain. And so what she did was, in her mind, she said, there's no other explanation except for the fact that these firecrackers are causing it to rain. You see how that's a logical fallacy. Another one that comes into mind, the flu shot. Now I worked in the medical field for a long time, uh, over 16 years. I got the flu shot every year, and uh, I believe in them wholeheartedly. Before I started getting the flu shot, I would get the flu, and I'm not making this up. I would get the flu five or six times a year five or six times a year and I said I'm tired of this I, I need to to start getting the flu shot so when I started getting the flu shot that dropped now I didn't just not get the flu at all but I got it a lot fewer times than five or six so I might get the flu once a year instead of five or six times a year the reason why the flu shot comes to mind about this subject here about uh, logical fallacies is that every year you hear people say, I don't want to get the flu shot because I got the flu shot and it gave me the flu. (laughs) Have you ever heard that? Maybe you think that yourself. I don't want to get the flu shot because it'll give me the flu. That's just another example of a logical fallacy. It's it's no different than my ex-wife seeing firecrackers and then seeing rain and saying, well, the two are connected. One is causing the other. And it's not. It's just a logical fallacy. I'll tell you why. Uh, when you get the flu shot, when you get the vaccine, there's nothing live in that vaccine. So it's a totally dead vaccine. They give it to your body. still recognizes the thing and, and learns to fight it. Same thing with the upcoming COVID shots. There's no live virus in the COVID vaccines. Just dead virus. So it's impossible that it gives you the virus. But so what was happening there? I mean, what is happening there when people get the flu shot and then they get the flu? Well, what happens is that they were exposed to the flu at some point before they got the flu shot. The flu shot takes several days to kick in and be effective. So within that window, before they got the flu shot, they contracted the flu. Then they get the flu shot couple days pass they start getting sick 
the only thing that occurs to them is that the shot made me get the flu. It, for some reason, it does not occur to people that perhaps you were exposed to the flu that very day, you know, when you were walking in to get the flu shot. So the flu shot did really not have time to, to keep you from getting the flu if you were already exposed to it at that point. So these are things that are called logical fallacies. Now, the reason why I wanted to talk about this is because, was it this week or last week, somebody brought up a question to me. They wanted to know if I thought the professional community, when they spread misinformation, if they do this on purpose, if I believe that the professional community is purposely trying to keep people unhealthy. The answer is no, I don't. I don't think that they're doing that on purpose. I think they really believe what they're saying. And I think that in most cases, not in every case, but I think in most cases, they're well-intentioned. But they're also incompetent. And they are also prone to these logical fallacies, connecting two things where there is no connection. So it's really their inability. They lack insight. So it's, it's their inability to see the larger picture and connect the dots. So as a result, what they end up doing is they end up drawing conclusions which are which are entirely false, but but believable, <laughs> because a lot of people go on to believe it uh, as if it's gospel. If I start noticing that on the news, I'm seeing more reports about bear attacks, what would you naturally conclude? I just started noticing one day that, golly, it seems like there's been an awful lot of reports about bear attacks in the news here lately. And I, so I start paying attention to it, and sure enough, I, I noticed it on all the channels. seems like everybody's talking about bear attacks. It would be tempting, wouldn't it, to draw the conclusion that obviously there bear attacks have picked up. There's a lot more bear attacks than there used to be. I start wondering if it's sort of like that movie, that Alfred Hitchcock movie, The Birds, right? Only with bears. What's going on with the bears? They're just turning on people. Well, this also is an example. Uh, this is just another example of a logical fallacy. Because how do you know that the news media just simply doesn't have more exciting things to report about. And that's why you're hearing about more, more about bear attacks, right? It doesn't necessarily mean that there are more bear attacks. The only thing we know for sure is that the news media is just reporting about bear attacks more than they were last week. That's all we know. But it is not proof that there are more bear attacks happening. So that's an example of a logical fallacy. There's two things happening then. There's the conclusions that people draw, and they, to them, it just seems like the most obvious conclusion of all, right? I'm hearing more about bear attacks. Bears must be attacking more people than they usually do. But then there's the other aspect of it, and that's uh, the true information there. The, the conclusion you're drawing versus the true information you're getting and they're not the same are they if a person for example concludes just because every year they end up getting the flu 
even though they get the flu shot, if they're concluding that the the only obvious explanation is that the flu shot is giving them the flu, their conclusion and the reality of what's actually happening, the information that they're observing, they're drawing the wrong conclusions. They're not they're not they're not getting anything accurate out of the information, even though the information itself is solid. Same thing with uh, firecrackers and rain. Same thing with uh, what was the one we just uh, talked about? Bears, all right, bear attacks in the news. Same thing there. The information is solid, but the person drawing the conclusions is the victim of logical fallacy. So even though the information itself is solid, they're drawing the wrong conclusions. They're just they don't have the insight to look beyond the surface information there. How how many times have you heard this? That more women than men suffer from borderline personality disorder. How many times have you heard that? I still have people coming to me with that. Oh, you know, you don't know what you're talking about because everybody knows this is a woman's disorder. It's well documented. They'll argue. It's well documented that more women than men have borderline personality disorder. Do you see the logical fallacy? It's true that therapists may treat more women and diagnose more women with borderline personality disorder than they do men. But what is the only thing that is evidence of? The only thing that is evidence of is that more women than men go to therapists. That's the only thing that's evidence of. And yet I will get people who will argue till they are blue in the face. Oh, it's well documented. It's well documented. They're not they're not drawing I mean they're not using their critical thinking to see the obvious that men cannot be included in studies that they refuse to participate in. Now, I was thinking that if you have been born and raised in a city, you've lived in a city your entire life, that might be hard to believe that the more that it's I mean it, it may not be as obvious to you that more women than men go to therapists than than men do. But if you were grew up rural or in the country, you know that what I'm saying is true. Men in the city are more inclined, more inclined to go to therapists, but still not as much as women are. But you get out into the rural rural areas and the country, and just culturally, men will not do that. A man is not going to say, well, I don't, what's going on with my feelings, and, and go to a therapist. He just won't do it. So then you end up with the professional community saying, well, you know, looking at our records, wow, lots more women diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. It means nothing. It doesn't mean anything like everybody thinks it means. It only means more women than men are going to therapists and getting diagnosed that way. Last week I got on this kick of uh, listening to Brian Williams. Do you know who Brian Williams is? He was the genius, 
songwriter and composer for the Beach Boys. Uh, he's on a level with like John Lennon. He's one of the most celebrated, considered one of the most celebrated musical geniuses in, in the world. And he went through some terrible depression. If you want to see a good movie about his life, it's called Love and Mercy. And that's based on a, a song of his, which is very good, by the way. So after I saw this movie, I got on this Brian Williams kick, and I was just looking stuff up about him, and I was going on YouTube, watching all these interviews and videos with him, uh, listening to his music, and I come across this interview with him and Larry King. It was Larry King was interviewing Brian Williams and Brian Williams' wife. Their story, by the way, is just incredible. They tell the story in the movie Love and Mercy, and it's so it's so outrageous. You think it's just total fiction. You think they just made that up. There's no way these two people met this way, and there's no way that it worked out that way and, and stuff. It, it did. It worked out exactly that way. It's so Hollywood, and yet it's so true. I couldn't believe it. So back to this interview. Uh, Larry King is interviewing Brian Williams and Brian Williams' wife, and they're talking about his uh, emotional disorders and his mental issues and Larry King asked the wife what do you think about this uh, like what, what do you think the origins of this are I kid you not this is exactly the way this interview goes Brian Williams wife sits there and says well I think it's genetic I think it's genetic two minutes later she starts talking about how abusive Brian Williams' parents were. And and it does not occur to her. It's right there under her nose. And she cannot make the connection. It's much simpler for her to say, it's genetic, right? It's just everything's magically genetic. Instead of doing the work to see the connection that if you grow up in an emotionally abusive house, what do you learn from those emotional teachers? You learn the things they teach you about yourself, your value, the value of your feelings. And then you go on to live that way. You carry that attitude on with you. What is genetic about an attitude that you're taught? There's nothing genetic about that. But here she can see both. She can see these elements. She just cannot put the dots together for whatever reason. I don't know why. But logical fallacy. You know, Brian Williams' parents were emotionally unhealthy. Brian Williams is emotionally unhealthy. Must be genetic. It's the only explanation. Well, you don't have to think very hard to recognize that a person who is emotionally unhealthy also teaches those emotionally unhealthy attitudes and uh, perspectives and sense of self and everything like this to their kids. Those kids then grow up with those same attitudes and perspectives. There's nothing genetic about that. And it's so obvious. It's so obvious. And yet it, it never ceases to amaze me how many people cannot connect the dots. Now, since I'm recording the Last Symptom podcast here while I'm talking to folks on social media, I appreciate you guys being here. Um, what was I getting at? So there's, oh, I know what I was going to say. What I might do is that when I go in to edit this show, 
I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to find that interview just to show you how it's right there. It's right there under her nose. She just cannot connect the dots. Cannot see what is the most obvious thing of all. So that's what you're seeing in the professional community too. If people are not, don't have bad intentions in, in most cases, but those who provide false theories and misdirection overwhelmingly, they do so from just incompetence. In any field, anywhere, there's incompetence. You know, I go to, uh, I've got an example for you right now. Bought something online yesterday, it was supposed to be delivered by the end of the day. I get a, an email and a text message saying that it's delivered. So I go out to see, to get it, and it's not there. So I come back in, I check my email again, and sure enough, it says it's been delivered. I wait an hour. It still shows that it's delivered, and I start thinking, well, then they delivered it to the wrong address. So I get on the phone. Hey there, Minneapolis. Glad to have you here. So I get on the phone. I call their customer service, and I say, I ordered a package. It shows that it's delivered, but it's not delivered. First of all, do you know how many times I have to repeat that? Like 14 times. Because when you're trying to get on the phone, they ask why you're calling. You tell them. When you finally get a person, you've already you've already said the reason you're calling 14 times. What's the first thing they say when you get on the phone with customer service? What can I help you with? Right? And you're like, are you, are you kidding me? If, if anybody asked me that one more time, why do you think I'm calling? Who, who, you know, what was the purpose of me explaining it the other 14 times? So there's the first sign of incompetence in a company. So I finally get customer service on the line. And she says, uh, you know, what's, what can I help you with? Uh, here we go. So I tell her what she can help me with. She says, well, Mr. Barnett, uh, let me check on that. So she goes away for like three days. You know, that's another thing. Just no, like, can you wait on the line? Anything like that? No music to listen to. Just, well, let me check on that. Click. And nothing. I'm just sitting there waiting. I don't even know if she hung up on me. So I wait, I wait, I wait, I wait for like ever. Finally, she gets on the line. She says, well, you know, this happens all the time where it shows delivered. And uh, so you just be more patient. The delivery window is still open. And I said to her, well, that's really not my question. My question is, why does your system show that it was delivered if it wasn't delivered? Oh, it happens all the time. Don't worry. Don't worry. I said, why can't you answer my question? You're not answering my question. You're just telling me not to worry about the question I'm asking. So why is your system showing it was delivered if it was not? Oh, I... You know, I don't know, and it just does that all the time, and trust me, it's probably, I'm sure it's on its way. And I said, do you not understand, <clears throat> you're trying to convince me, camera there, you're trying to convince me to be happy with your broken system. I mean, that's really your response. You got no answer for me. You're just trying to convince me that I should be happy with your stupid broken system. Well, Mr. Barnett, I... <laughs> Incompetence. It's just incompetence, and it's everywhere. Do you see how that just totally defeats the purpose 
if your business model, you know, you sign up for delivery updates and their business model is to mark market as delivered three hours before you get it. Does that not defeat the entire purpose for tracking a package at all? For being able to track a package? If if it shows it's delivered, you can't track it anymore, and three more hours pass. It's just incompetence. So that's the case. It happens everywhere. It happens with plumbers, it happens with brain surgeons, it happens with you know everything. Everything. So when your therapist tells you that borderline personality disorder affects more women than it does men, she's just incompetent. That maybe she's not always incompetent, but in that matter she's demonstrating incompetence because it's like my wife, my ex-wife. Firecrackers, and next thing you know it's raining, and the only thing that occurs to her is that the firecrackers caused the rain. Same thing with these therapists. Oh, I I get more women in here, and they just happen to have borderline personality disorder, and I, I hardly ever get any men in here with borderline personality disorder. Yeah, no kidding. You hardly ever get any men, period. Right? And they can't make the connection. It's so ridiculous. Let's see here. All right, so I think we've covered most of that. Where are we at here? We're about 30 minutes in. Can you guys think of any the folks that are here with me? Can you think? Oh, Lynn's in Ohio. Yeah, I'm not sure I like this new setup. I can't see all who's here unless they comment. And uh, in order to see the comments, I have to keep scrolling down. They don't just auto-scroll. So let me turn it over to you folks. Give me some ideas of where you, maybe, or somebody you know, makes a connection between two things that are not related. You've got my example of my first wife thinking that firecrackers make it rain. Man, can you imagine? If if it were that simple to make it rain, we'd be farmers out there in the desert would just be shooting off firecrackers all the time to make their corn grow. Hey, what about in California? Well, we need more rain. Let's just shoot off some firecrackers and suddenly you got rain. Two totally unrelated things. Bears. Hearing about more bear attacks in the news and coming to the conclusion that bears are just attacking people more. Not necessarily. We don't know if it's just a really slow uh, news week and the media doesn't have anything more exciting to report. What sorts of uh, examples can you folks come up with? Ian says, are folks with borderline personality disorder more susceptible, more susceptible to believing dodgy facts? If, no, but who's giving them the dodgy facts? People in positions of authority in white coats with PhDs on their walls. When you get information from that type of a source, you expect it to be solid, don't you? And in the case of psychology, it it rarely is. That's just the truth. Now, there are some great psychologists, but to find the really insightful ones, man, it's like digging for a diamond in a pile of T-Rex dung. Sorry for the analogy. I just, I just finished watching Jurassic Park the other day. That's why. Ian says, linking facts to substantiate a falsehood 
to prove out a crime against them. Yeah, sure. That's a pretty good one. I think that would especially fall under the category of the way people frame a thing. Right? So, a woman will say, oh, that, that guy, he flirted with me. He flirted with me. Uh, the framing there is that for some reason it's wrong to flirt with a with a woman. <laughs> uh, you see that framing. A more accurate framing would be if a person continues to flirt with you after you've made it clear you don't want them to flirt with you. Right? I can understand that. But just being flirted with and you don't say anything, you just walk off like angry that somebody flirted with you. I don't think that that framing is very uh, honest or accurate or healthy. I don't know if you're trying to write spiritual, Ian, but um, people do this with the Bible too. Logical fallacies, for example. One that I come up against a lot are people who talk about honoring their parents. Again, it's this is built on the premise that anything you do that your parents don't like is dishonoring them. Even if the thing you're doing is what they really need and what is is what is best for them and for their long-term happiness and health even then they say why well, do I can't dishonor my parents you see what is the logical fallacy the logical fallacy is in their idea of what honor means honoring a person does not mean just doing whatever makes them happy even if it's going to hurt them real honor is doing something that they may terribly not want you to do but that is in their best interest long term that's still honor this week somebody said to me uh, sent me the a verse from the King James Bible says love your enemies bless them that curse you do good to them that hate you and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you and the person said I used to, this was ingrained in me all my life, and I used to love this verse, but I, I don't like it anymore. What do you think? And I said, well, I think if you don't like it, you're misinterpreting the verse, because there's no, just nothing not, not to like there. Do you know how many people I come across in my work who become embittered eventually, if for whatever reason, they leave, and they just, they hate me. They talk bad about me, they write terrible things about me on the internet. And how do you think I feel about those people? I still care for them. I still want what's best for them. I love them as people. I hate what they're doing. I hate the way they're treating me. I really regret it and I wish that they wouldn't treat me that way. But I don't wish anything bad on them. So I don't see how love your enemies, uh, bless them that curse you, is a terrible thing. It's, it's not condoning the way they're acting right it's not condoning the bad things they're doing but them as people I want good things for them and you know I would hope that one of these days they'll have regrets I'll tell you the reason why I can be like that because I was such a bastard back when I had borderline personality disorder I treated people so poorly and I'll never be able to make up for that but you know it does allow me some empathy for when I get treated that way now by other people. I say, well, they're unhealthy. They're interpreting this in a way that it, it is not. And uh, so, you know, I can understand they're angry and I can understand all these things. 
really hate the way they're treating me, but uh, I was the lost cause one time, and I and I'm all better and living well. So that's what I hope for everybody. Let's see what Lynn has to say here. She says I personally worked on a psych study that had a flawed structure. I pointed it out, and it wasn't corrected. Thank you, Lynn. You see exactly what I'm talking about. It's just incompetence. It's and you know. There might be people who disagree with me. There might even people get angry at me when I say this, but anybody be, anybody can get a degree in anything. Do you know that? It's a business. It's not like a only geniuses get to become psychologists and stuff. That's not true. Anybody with the money and the resources can become anything they want. That's why you, you're always going to have incompetence in every field. People who either can't see that something is irrelevant or relevant or they don't care right like maybe in Lynn's case she says she worked on this psych study that had a flawed structure and she pointed it out and wasn't corrected how many times how many times do I tell people that borderline personality disorder has nothing to do with mental health and I swear I can say that to people point blank a hundred times and they will still turn around and start talking about mental health in relation to borderline personality disorder or uh, mental illness, right? Borderline personality disorder isn't a mental illness. It's an emotional disorder. It has nothing to do with mental health. You, you know how I know? Because your brain's not malfunctioning. Uh, your brain might be malfunctioning, but not because of borderline personality disorder. You might have other issues that you're dealing with. But if you're strictly dealing with borderline personality disorder, that has nothing to do with mental anything. Your brain is working exactly the way it, it is meant to work. You're just, it, you know, it's like these people who are drawing these logical fallacy, uh, logical fallacies. Nothing wrong with their brains. Their brains aren't malfunctioning. That's not why my ex-wife thought that the firecrackers caused it to rain. But they were working with misperceptions, weren't they? Man, well, I know how I know when to connect with my Australian crowd. Claire, good to have you here. Rebecca, University Incorporated, and Christy, the newest ones into the group. Sydney, Australia. I'm trying to think of a really great example here, just off the cuff, that you guys have never heard me use before, and I'm failing. Like I said, I'm pretty tired tonight. So I thought I'd do the this episode of the weekly podcast like this so that I could have you guys help me. I thought we were done with Facebook. Yeah, you guys got any questions about the new platforms? Let me talk about that for a second. I am done with Facebook. I'm not allowing any new members in. I've changed everything, all the you know, the questions that when you join. I've changed all those. I'm sending everybody over to the new platforms. There will be a period where I'm still using Facebook for a while, but uh, very minimally. And uh, eventually, I haven't decided yet. I'm not. I haven't decided if I'm just going to delete the group or if I'm going to um, just abandon it, close it down, but open it up to everybody so that then people can have access to what's in the group. Also, have an opportunity to to get over to the other new platforms. So the new platforms are MeWe. That replaces the the old Facebook 
education group, and it's thriving. It doesn't have 5,000 people in there yet, but it's thriving. And then I've got the Premier Group that I've started, which has some uh, Premier content there, which is on Locals.com platform. Christy says she's on Locals, but not MeWe. Well, you, you know, it just depends. If you're if you're a supporter on Locals, you would maybe not need to go on the MeWe. But here's the thing about Locals is that only supporters can contribute posts and comment and get into conversations and stuff like that. Everybody can take advantage of the content, but not, but only supporters can get in actively involved in conversations and like uh, and stuff like that. So, if you're a supporter, that group is just wide open to you. If you're not, the only thing you're able to do is like things and consume the content. That's why I have the MeWe group too, because you know there may be folks that don't want to be a supporter over on Locals. They may enjoy the content there, but maybe they just don't want to be a monthly supporter. So, MeWe exists so that everybody has the same opportunity to to be active and to participate in conversations and stuff like that if they don't want to be a supporter over at Locals. One thing I would like to say is that for folks who enjoy supporting my work and may donate from time to time through thelastsymptom.com I really appreciate that but let me offer you an alternate idea for a way that you can support the last symptom you can go to locals and become a supporter and then you know you're actually a monthly supporter it's not a don just a straight donation but you're actually getting to get getting the exclusive content and stuff like that as well getting to participate in an exclusive community at, for a very small modest cost so that that might be right down your alley but again like i, I want to reiterate those who are not supporters over at locals still get to enjoy the like the daily slash videos that i mentioned earlier they still get to read the posts most posts every once in a while i do post some content that is supporters only content and that is just to show my appreciation for the people who are financially supporting me on locals and that so that's nice really both both communities are meant for everybody it's just that me we i would say it is my gen- general population group and locals is my premier group so here's what I'll say. If you want to join me at MeWe, MeWe is just an alternative option to Facebook. But no ads, no spyware, no timeline manipulation. So it's just better. It's just a lot better to find the last symptom group on MeWe. What you got to do, and everybody's making this mistake, they're like on their own profile page searching for the last symptom. You're not going to find it there. You're also not going to find it, you know, if you're just on the timeline. What you got to do is you got to go into the groups section of MeWe. So if you're on the phone, well, if you're on the MeWe app, down at the bottom, there are different sections of MeWe. So there's your personal page, there's communities, there's uh, chat. So whoever you're chatting with, uh, you'll you'll see a, a logo for that. But... <clears throat> Down at the bottom of the app, you'll see it looks like a three little circles connected, connected in like a triangle. 
that is the community section of MeWe. You got to go in there to search for The Last Symptom by Brian Barnett. It's not that difficult, but people are <laughs> I mean, just really having a hard time with that. But that's how you do it. You got to go into the community section of MeWe, search for The Last Symptom by Brian Barnett. I'll pop right up. And then you, it's just like Facebook. You know, when you join the Facebook group, you answer a few questions and then you got accepted in. Locals.com. If you want to download the Locals app, as I mentioned earlier, somebody mentioned to me that you've got to, you can't just search Locals, you got to search Locals.com in the App Store. But once you get in there, you just search the last symptom and boom, you can become a subscriber. A subscriber is a person that is simply part of the community but is not a paid supporter. So a person who is just a subscriber gets to view all the content. Not all the content. 99% of the content. Supporters are those who buy these monthly coins and then they give them to support my to me to support my group and then they get access to everything. The ability to comment, the ability to make their own posts, all that stuff. Another way that you can go there is very simple if you want to do it from your browser. It's just thelastsymptom.locals.com. While I'm waiting for you guys to, because I think there's a delay, but while I'm waiting to see what you guys have to say, uh, Claire says she's still, she's a supporter on Locals, but still getting her head around it. Well, Claire, you need to create your first post there on locals I mean you can't get comfortable with a thing if you know if you don't use the the various features or at least try them out I wanted to tell you guys a couple stories those of you who are watching me right now on this live stream you see the stove back here behind me those of you who are just listening to me on the podcast, there is a stove behind me. <laughs> you probably figured that out by now. But there is a stove behind me. And uh, I grew up with a wood stove. And every morning, because all of our heat come from that wood stove, every morning in the wintertime, I would wake up. Oh, you wouldn't want to get out from underneath those blankets. You just wouldn't want to. You'd have to start getting ready for school. But I'd throw my blankets off and the first place I would go like a moth to a flame would go right over to that fire that wood stove nothing like wood heat there's just nothing like it Uh, you folks in Australia I don't know how cold it gets where you're at (laughs) Claire says it's, it's weird hearing me talk without any insects or bugs or anything bothering me I've usually got a cricket in here named Norman and I think actually it's not Norman anymore. It's probably Norman's great 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 grandson. But Norman has left a legacy for sure. If you ever take the Last Symptom Fundamentals course, you'll you'll get to hear Norman. Okay. Well, before I go back to my story about the stove, Alaya has a question. She says, "I was wondering what you thought about training your brain in positive thinking." alongside doing emotional health work, of course, to help you with symptoms such as depression and just generally years of negative self-talk. I don't often recommend books specifically on these topics, but I will make an exception here 
there's a book called Change Your Brain, Change Your Life that addresses sort of what you're talking about, Aliyah. Change your brain, change your life. I can't remember who the author is, but I'll tell you why I thought that book was effective. And I'm going to illustrate it in a way that will hopefully help you understand this training your brain stuff. First of all, I need to say that no, if you're if what you're thinking about, Aliyah, is just like reading encouraging memes every day, you're wasting your time. It it might feel good. It's not going to do anything for you. You you can't just convince yourself out of stuff that you fundam that you believe on a fundamental level about the inherent nature of things. You can't do it. It it doesn't matter how many positive memes you read. There's no such thing as just training yourself out of unbelieving things that you have lived your entire life perceiving incorrectly. No amount of positive talk will do that. But speaking about the brain, which is why I brought up that book, Change Your Brain, Change Your Life. If you, you know, speaking about the fire, the wood stove, it was my job every night to bring enough firewood and have it split and on the back stoop enough to get us through the night and the next day so that was my one of my chores every day as you know my other job was to go down over the hill and draw uh two buckets of water out of a freshwater spring and that's that was the water we had to use but when we would get a, like a real heavy snow our wood pile was back behind the house, way back behind a, a shed that my dad used as a work shed. And I'd have to tromp through all that, you know, knee-deep snow to get to the wood pile. And then I'd have to knock all the snow off, get an armload of firewood, and then I'd have to bring it back to the house. Now, if you think about your brain and you think about those neural pathways as being like that path in the snow that I would make, to get to the wood pile, you'll begin to understand where I'm going at with this. The first trip through the snow was very hard because I'd have to trudge through the snow. It wasn't it wasn't easy going. But what would happen after I made that trip back and forth five or six times? Well, the snow would get compacted, wouldn't it? And then that walk back to the wood pile and back to the house became much easier the more compacted the snow got because then I wasn't trudging a brand new path anymore but now imagine that after a few days I say I'm tired of taking this path I want to take I want to go around this way and come back to the house now what do I got to do is it as easy as just taking the the established path that I've already made no it's not as easy so that the first time I deviate from that it is difficult. I have to now. I have to trudge through that snow again. You know, it's tiring. But the more times I take this new path that I've created, what will happen? Same thing. The snow gets compacted. That trip back and forth to the old wood pile gets much much easier. And that's the way that our brain operates too, according to the book that I just recommended: Change Your Brain, Change Your Life. The more you get in, the, when you start off doing a thing, it's not, it doesn't come natural to you. You're kind of fighting against previous training. Uh, but the more you do it, the easier it gets, the stronger that neural pathway gets. So um, 
again, yeah, that's that's what I drew from that book, and it's been helpful to me, just in in my life. Back to the story about my old wood stove. So the first thing I do, get up in the morning, go to the wood stove. There's just no heat like wood heat. And you can just feel it like seeping into your bones, seeping in through the layers of your skin, and oh man, it'd be so good. But the the wood stove we had, it was cast iron, and we would get it so hot, so hot, that the sides of the wood stove would glow so white you could you could see inside the stove. Not like glass, but you could see the shapes of the of the wood through I'm not kidding, an inch thick cast iron that was just so hot it was just glowing red and it set up on legs this stove and my brother and I and it scares me to death because I have a five year old daughter that she might do stupid stuff like this but we'd say I dare you to to slide underneath that stove and so we would get down in our pajamas get down on our bellies and slide underneath that wood stove which was glowing so white the sides of it were glowing so white you could almost you could just see through the the cast iron and I I just can't believe we did that but we would get down on our bellies and slide right underneath that stove now can you imagine if we had done that and got stuck in the middle oh my god it just turns my stomach to think about it it's just amazing that boys grow up to adulthood at all. Claire says, if someone also has things like anxiety and depression, as well as borderline personality disorder, how do you suggest going about tackling that? So she says, can you work on the borderline personality disorder first, alongside these other things, or would a person need to deal with those things first? I'm finding it all overlap so so much that I often don't know what's what anymore. Good question. Claire so here's my suggestion and I'll just tell you my personal experience with this everybody with borderline personality disorder is depressed whether they know it or not now maybe not depressed to an extent that uh, that they're conscious of it or anything but depressed nonetheless I mean you just cannot live with an the underlying fundamental belief that you inherently don't matter or let's say it this way that you don't inherently matter you can't live with that belief, which is the root cause of borderline personality disorder, and at the same time enjoy life. You just can't. You, you don't. Enjoy, you don't like yourself, and you're stuck with yourself. You think everybody else hates you, or that you've got to earn. Um, okay, Aliyah looked up that book, "Change Your Brain, Change Your Life" by Daniel G. Amen. All right, so that's the, his name. So anyway, you get what I'm getting at the, the very fundamental cause of borderline personality disorder means that you are depressed there's just no being happy really happy as long as you're walking around with that fundamental belief about the inherent nature of self and yet everybody with borderline personality disorder is so there's that kind of depression but then there are deeper types of depression right there are there's seasonal depression and by the way i don't know if you guys can tell i'm a little red tonight you know why that is why do you think I'm a little red tonight? Because there's no sunshine here. And I noticed that it was starting to affect me. I get affected by seasonal depression. I don't really fall into depression, but 
but it does affect my mood. And so one thing I've learned that helps that is just to go stand up in a booth and get blasted by UV rays a couple times a week. And I hadn't been doing it this year because of uh, COVID. But today I said, you know, I'm going to go do that. So I went, I stood for 10 minutes in the tanning booth, and I walked out feeling a hundred times better. So there's that type of depression too. Seasonal depression, you know, depression has a lot of causes. But I will say this, Claire, that when I got rid of the borderline personality disorder, things like depression went away. I had been diagnosed with OCD. My OCD went away. What happened is that the borderline personality disorder really was the cause of all these things. What I wanted also to tell you, Claire, is that I took medication for the OCD because I couldn't concentrate. I was trying to do work on borderline personality disorder and I couldn't concentrate. I would, I'd say, you know what would be nice? A little bit of Beethoven. And I would go to play some music, but then I would get fixated on arranging my music library. And I mean fixated. It would be like 12 hours would pass and I would still be there arranging my music library. Something inside my brain said, you can't stop doing this until you've got your entire music library sorted. So you can see why that would rob me of an ability to then focus on the inner work that I had to do for borderline personality disorder. So it's a good thing. There's no medication that's going to cure borderline personality disorder. But if you can take a medication that can relieve some of the symptoms of, of, of some of the symptoms, for example, OCD, ADD, things like that, depression, and if you can get something that can kind of ease that so that you can focus and you can have a relaxed mind and stuff like that, it can work to your benefit to, uh, to do that. So to answer your question, Anxiety and depression, as well as BPD, which one do you tackle first? Well, you just got to evaluate that for yourself. If you can go and you can get find a doctor who can give you prescribe you something that will help ease the depression, you can see how that would then be beneficial for you while you're doing your borderline personality disorder work. Same thing with anxiety. Your anxiety will almost entirely disappear once you don't have borderline personality disorder. People who are anxious are anxious because of these fundamental things that authentic recovery from borderline personality disorder addresses and, and gets rid of. So you won't, you know, I was a very anxious person too. I was an extremely anxious person and I'm just not anymore, not at all. I, you've heard me talk about how I walked around tight all the time, my muscles tight, everything tight. Uh, I just couldn't relax and now I'm just always relaxed I my problem now is not being not being so relaxed so but if you can go find somebody who can help you a little bit with your anxiety but then there's nothing wrong with that it's going to help you Anna Carolina says hola Brian I'm enjoying the orange slices and all the new work you're doing very much thank you thank you Anna Judith says you're a great storyteller Brian I find I go to the core beliefs you repeat throughout your stories on a daily basis to remind myself of those new paths in the snow we are trailblazing for ourselves. Appreciate you and your work on rethinking emotional disorders. Judith, you're a gem. Thank you. Claire says, thank you. That's really very helpful. It's great to catch you live. 
well, I didn't know how this was going to work out, but it it worked out. Like I said, I I threw together a little bit for a show this week, but it, I didn't have nearly enough. And so I thought if I live streamed this and got some questions from you folks, then that would fill in the time for a good full show. If I don't get any new questions here in a second or two, I will stop recording the show and then I'll just talk to you folks for pleasure here for a minute or two. Yeah, a couple years ago on this show, I told you folks how I suffer from seasonal mood disorder, they call it, I think. And it gets to me. You know, if I don't get sunlight for, for a long enough period of time, it affects me. It affects my mood. I start to get weepy and stuff. So that had been happening in fact uh, one of the orange slices that I was going to do here last week I was going to say you know you you don't know this but I'm I'm feeling kind of blue I've been feeling kind of blue for the past couple weeks feeling a little weepy bit feeling a little emotional so what am I going to do about that it's a uh, part of his kind of self-awareness right like what am I feeling and what might I be able to do about that where might it be coming from Terry says, have you thought about getting a light box for it? Well, Terry, a light box doesn't make you look sexy. So, Tanny Booth is a lot much better. <laughs> Eli also says, brings up the lamps. They just don't, they don't make you look sexy, you know. I needed a little collar anyway. I wanted a little collar. Listen, it's not, I, I work out in the sun in the summertime and, and take in more sun than the 10 minutes I, I do in a, in a UV booth. Oh, Alaya, it sounds like you've got some uh, sounds like you've got some experience with these lamps. So you know what I'm talking about then. Yeah, I love wintertime. Wintertime is one of my favorite times of the year, and I love the whole thing, you know, like the gray days, the lack of sunlight. I mean, I just kind of think it adds to the beauty of wintertime. But after a while of like not seeing the sun, it really starts to get to me emotionally emotionally it's kind of I, I kind of think of it as like a woman and you know I might get uh, tarred and feathered for this but and I'm not trying to put a, a hair in anybody's biscuit but it reminds me of kind of a woman on her period you know women some women will get you know emotional emotional and stuff during that period of time that's what the uh, the seasonal thing does to me. It just it just makes me emotion, emotional. Anna says most most of us. I forget. I'm not just reading to myself. I've got a an, a radio audience here that I have to read for. So Anna says most of us have lived our lives for a long time on autopilot. Once we start recovering, we start owning our lives. When this happened to you, did you make any plans? Is that useful? What did your life look like five years ago? Let's see. Five years ago was 2015. Uh, In 2015, my daughter was born. And though it was a very happy time for me, it was also a very stressful time. So I was under a lot of stress. But I was also at the tail end of just totally ridding myself of borderline personality disorder. I knew I was at the tail end. It was the whole reason I decided to become a dad. I knew I was on the the far side of recovery. But it was a very stressful time for me. And, 
you, you have to keep in mind all of the losses that I had suffered. Still deeply in love with my ex-wife, still deeply in love with uh, my ex-mistress, and you know, take the word love there for, for what it is, it's worth. When I was unhealthy, you know, I wasn't able to love them as in, in a real way, but I am able to now, and I'm still able, you know, I missed them. I was just, I was in mourning. I was grieving the losses of all those things. And at the same time, I was becoming a brand new father for the first time in my life. So it was kind of like this odd mix of grief and like thrill and excitement and optimism. Um, I did not make any plans. Uh, and I, I don't have any plans right now. You know, I don't know if it's because of my age or what, that I don't have any big life plans. What I do is that I kind of lick my finger and hold it up to the wind, and I try to see uh, what what my environment and everything's telling me. And then I try to work with that. So even with, like, last symptom stuff, I have no grand plans. I, I would like it to keep doing well, and I would like it to keep helping people. I'm always looking for ways to make uh, ensure that and to ensure a future for it. But my process so far for last symptom has been to lick my finger, hold it up to the wind, and try to see what the wind's telling me, and be sensitive to that, and wherever there's any vacuum, try to fill that vacuum, and and just listen, just listen, and then be receptive to what I'm hearing, and and working that way, and and I'm kind of doing life that way too. Uh, Lia says, it's true that the bright white lamp shining first thing in the morning on your puffy, sleepy face is not the sexiest of looks, but hey, you gotta do what you gotta do. Preaching to the choir, Aliyah. Preaching to the choir. You don't want to see me when I first wake up. I scare burglars away. They just ah, throw their hands up and go running out of the house. She says, I think that you said once that borderline personality disorder comes from your parents not validating you. Could you talk more about that? Yeah, I've since, uh, back a long time ago, I did use terminology like that, but I've stopped talking about it that way because the real damage is not that you just weren't validated by your parents the the real damage was that you were observing your parents unhealthy attitudes about the nature of things like feelings self i'll tell you what i mean you guys all always hear me talking about how emotional disorder involves an inaccurate perception about fundament the inherent nature of fundamental things like feelings self and life what would be uh, the most common misperception or unhealthy attitude about feelings that's totally inaccurate that people with emotional disorders have? Well, it's this, that they only matter if they make sense. It's total bullshit. Your feelings don't only matter if they make sense to somebody else. Your feelings always matter, period. But your parents, probably disregarded your feelings if your feelings in those circumstances did not make sense to them so they said you know what stop crying don't be sad oh come over here i'll give you something to cry about stuff like that Uh, basically the you the message you interpreted from that is okay so i'm starting to get it now you remember you're like three years old but you're starting to get it and you go okay i realize that 
my feelings only matter if they make sense to some observer. If they don't make sense to an observer, then my feelings are worthless. They, they, like those feelings don't matter. Do you see how if your feelings are ever the value of your feelings are ever dependent on what somebody on somebody else agreeing with them, your feelings then by definition don't have inherent value. What is inherent value? Inherent value means that they have value no matter what. They, they, just, they just on their own have value, whether people agree with them or not. That's the misconception that people walk around, the unhealthy misconception people walk around with about what the very nature of what feelings are. Now, how about self? I've said many times that when I talk about self, it's not just yourself. But it's your attitudes toward people in general, you know, what it means to be a person. So what is the most common unhealthy misperception about self, the nature of self, what it is to be a person? Well, you see it in relationships. People get into relationships and they view you not as a person, not as somebody who has her, her own feelings or his own feelings, but instead, their perception is somewhere along the lines of a possession, like a chair, like this chair that I have right here. And they view people along the same nature as they, as they uh, perceive any other inanimate possession. They can, you know, the whole reason it exists is for what it brings to my life. They don't. The fact that you have your own feelings, your own thoughts, your own needs, your own hopes for the future, your own everything, doesn't, it does, they don't view you that way. And if you do have feelings and thoughts and stuff that go against, um, or that they don't, they, that doesn't make sense to them, then it has no value, right? I mean, how many relationships do you hear this in? Oh, you know, I... I want to be an artist, uh, a wife will say. And the husband says, well, that's just stupid. You know, you're just trying to get attention. What's he not getting? He's not getting the fact that she's not a chair. She's not just there for you. She has her own hopes and dreams, her own likes and dislikes, her own everything. So the man is not viewing her as a person. He's viewing her more along the lines of something like a possession or an inanimate object, something that doesn't have feelings, right? It's, it's just there for what it brings to his life. And even when these sorts of people do something nice for you, like they buy you a gift or something, it, it's so subtle, but once you see it, you can't unsee it. It's not for you. They're not doing it for you. They're not buying the present for you and for what... It's how it's going to make you feel and stuff. No, they, people who live this way buy you the present for how it makes them feel about themselves. It's so selfish. They don't view people like people. So they get the very nature of that wrong. right? And it all starts with feelings. If you don't view feelings correctly, you can't view people correctly. Let me catch up here. 
Anna likes the question and answer format. Well, uh, I like it too. I should do this more. Kellyanne says, you need a happy lamp. Lightwave frequencies that help your brain create serotonin. Got mine on Amazon. Back to the sexiness again. It's got to both make me feel better and make me look sexier. Love the live format. Regular Friday thing. Thursday for you. If you guys will follow me over to uh, the new platform, sure. But remember, I'm not I'm not going to be using this platform for very much longer. I'm using it while I've still got it, but I'm pulling hard away from this platform. Yeah, I, I don't think people understand just how serious I am about not being on here anymore, not being not using Facebook anymore. I can't support their business practices, and there's no long-term future for the last symptom here on the on Facebook. There's just not. It's a business decision. It's it's got nothing to do with politics. It's a business decision. You, c- there's no security here for for person in this line of work. You know the the category that the last symptom fits into is that it it bucks it bucks the powerful organizations and tries to show why they're why they're telling you things that aren't right. And you know I'm not like this fringe type guy. I, when I can speak positively about the the professional community, I love to. But at the same time, I have to t- to uh, dispel many of the the falsehoods that they also teach. And at any time, f- uh, based on Facebook's policies and uh, the other large tech platforms' policies, at any time they could just wipe the last symptom off the face of the internet map. So. I have to get established in on other platforms where long-term security for the work that I'm doing. And Facebook just doesn't offer them. So I'm not investing anything new in Facebook. Obviously, I still have it, but I'm not investing anything new into it. Anna says she doesn't have to worry about winter depression. She's down there in South America. What is this OnlyFans that I, people are that I'm hearing about? What is OnlyFans? I know some people thought that uh, shower video was racy, but it, was it really any different than just going to the beach? You're going to make me do my research, aren't you? You're not going to tell me. All right, I'll tell you what I'm going to do because we're just having fun here now. What I'm going to do is I'm going to end my recording of the uh, podcast, and then I'll just stay on here and talk to you folks because we're just having a good time now. So that's the show. And uh, I'm still on here. I'm still going to be talking to folks here on the social media on this live stream. But to everybody listening, I just wanted to say thanks for tuning in to The Last Symptom uh, this week. And uh, I really appreciate it. And next week, oh boy, I've got such great themes and topics that I want to tackle with you folks. And So be sure to tune in next week, same place. And you know what the weekend coming means it means that you got to do something nice for yourself i think i'm going to take a lot of naps play with my dogs maybe buy a five dollar movie or two and uh just take it very easy and enjoy the wood stove yeah so i'll see you guys next week same place same time this is brian barnett taking off (music) 